Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate, and with me, as always, is Charles Chuck Lawrence Thompson. How's it going today, man? Oh, what a great Wednesday. It's a terrible Wednesday, Charlie. No, it's not. It's so bad. This is episode 290. We talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. It's tax day. We talk day. about property. Oh, it's tax day. Formerly April 15th, yeah. this year, July 15th. And I'm wondering what all's due today. Which you want to bet a lot of people don't pay any taxes today. Just like they're not paying their mortgage. Yeah, just like that. <laughs> just like 32% of the country did not pay their yeah. rent or mortgages or their whatever it is for their housing in June. It's probably going to be the same thing. I can Again. tell you that mm. uh, I did not cut a check today. Yeah, I got to cut one today. Uh, mine were filed two days ago. All right. And I talked to the CPA two <laughs> days ago and uh, we're going to wait for a response. Okay. Yeah. Before we actually cut the it's check. It's that bad. Huh? It's that bad. It's, no, I mean, yeah, it is bad. It's, it's a terrible amount of money. We could do all sorts of things. We could probably end world hunger. With yeah. The amount of taxes. You homelessness. I could end homelessness. Tax. <laughs> All kinds of things. All kinds of stuff. Rather than send them that check. <clears throat> Man. I, but uh, no, I, we're, which is, according to him, it's fine to wait. Yeah. Your CPA? Yeah. Says just to wait. I might have a little bit of a fee, but I don't care. Yeah. I don't care about that. It's, you know, I really, I truly believe that if everyone had to pay taxes the way that people who work on, say, 1099s or K1s or anything like yeah. that, people who own businesses, if everyone had to pay taxes like that, I think we'd abolish the income tax. They'd be so much within, lower within a year or two. I think yeah. it'd be gone. But you, you know, it just comes a little bit out of your check every once in a while, so you don't really have to think about it that much. But if you had to, if you had to write that check, like like my wife and I do today, or like Charlie does here, and whenever it's going to be, and you had to think about that exact amount of money and how much, you know, how what could you have done with that money? Or, then if you get it wrong, they, get, yeah. they give you penalties and all kinds of stuff. It's what, insane. What are what are they going to do with that money? It's gone. Todd, it's, it's gone. It's already gone. Yeah, it's gone. Yeah. Todd says that his tax payment is pending from his bank. Okay. And he's opening <clears throat> the bottle of tequila after work. Ooh, have one what, for me. I don't remember any of the times I had tequila. <laughs> I'll tell you. We'll just say it like that. Yeah. I don't remember a single one of them. <laughs> and you've had tequila. I've had a lot of tequila. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I you, think. You think. If you could remember it. More than I would like to admit, I guess. But what was that one show we played in Wisconsin? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. That, yeah. That was probably top five drunkest I've ever seen you, was that show. It's So uh, Nate's band opened up for my band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah one time in wisconsin mm -hmm. we were playing this uh show we were on a i think we were on a radio tour at that time with a song called loser and um and we were playing at this um with your band three pill morning by the way that, yeah three pill uh, morning the song that we use for our intro someone was asking on youtube actually earlier i just responded there's a song by a band called three pill morning look them up on itunes or spotify or wherever you want to go uh, a lot of good stuff yeah for sure yeah they're still they're still writing great music too um so yeah we were on tour and nate uh nate's band wanted to join us which of course i would don't blame him you know <laughs> That was a fun show, though. Yeah, that place was. This place held like what, three hundred people, and there were like four hundred people in there. Yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. It was. Uh, it's. It's always fun to play those types of places. So that's where I found out about Sailor Jerry for the first time. <laughs> I'd never heard about it before, and um, yeah, it was almost one of those times where I couldn't drink it anymore after that. I had a bad experience. Yeah, this place, so, this venue also took really good care of us. So yeah. We had what a full buffet, mm -hmm. like all the food you could imagine. We had unlimited and copious amounts of alcohol. <laughs> it yeah. was, yeah. yeah, that was that was mine and yours college experience. By the way, that's true. It's we didn't, actually true. We didn't go to college, right? So that was our college that was experience. Exactly what? That's exactly what we did. Keg stands and all kinds of stuff on the road. That's just college. I it's found out how thing. much alcohol I could have and still try to play guitar for sure. <laughs> we did a. 
a tour doing a bunch of House of Blues, and they would also give you like a bucket of alcohol, you know, just drowning in ice, just beautiful looking alcohol. Yes. And um, I, I also... I wasn't. T- I took some pills. It wasn't like illegal pills. I took like allergy medication or or some Sudafed or some kind of stuff like that. And Which I says do not mix with alcohol. Probably I could not make my hand work on the guitar. And you're talking. I believe this was the House of Blues at uh, Disneyland in in California, in like in wherever it was. Fres- I is that Fresno? Like, I don't remember. That? Like Anaheim or Fresno, yeah, something, something like that. Like I can't that. remember. And um, I don't want to remember, and it was all on video, and I don't, I can't listen yeah. to it. I really can't listen to it. I did have one show. Uh, this place, uh, our options for beverages was Budweiser or Long Islands, mm. and I decided to have ten of them before we started playing. Bud Heavies or Long Islands? Long Islands. Okay. <laughs> all right. And I remember uh, our lead singer Jeff, who's a great guy, uh, after the show said. That is the worst bass playing I've ever heard in my life. And I thought it was awesome. I thought it was the greatest show we had played. But anyway, that's enough about our musical careers. We had, you know, a little reminiscing on this tax day. But as I said, this is the Good Morning Liberty podcast, a place where we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning because happiness is fleeting and just a feeling. And we care. Facts don't care about your feelings, although feelings do care about facts. So you you have that conundrum. But it's your uh, lie, you tell it. But anyway, we, we talk about pursuing meaning because to live in a, a full, abundant life, so to speak, and to be free means that you need to pursue something meaningful. Otherwise, what's the point? And so um, what's that old saying from from the old what the old, old text uh, says man has killed two birds no that are right twice a day. It's it says man, although it includes this includes women, too. So man and woman does not live by bread alone. Yeah. Unless so, you're in a communist country. <laughs> then, well, then, then you, you know, do live yeah. in bread lines alone. <laughs> so, so anyway. Sometimes a few shreds of rice. Anyway, subscribe to the podcast, okay? 96% of the people who listen to this podcast eventually hit subscribe after we badger them enough about it episode after episode. So those are pretty good numbers, and you don't want to be part of the horror percent. So we put out a new episode every single day of the week when we want to, talking about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. Listen, just to say a couple words about Tax Day before we dive into the news. I realize what we do on this on this podcast, by the way, I was reflecting on it some this morning. Were you? We destroy the news every day. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's really what we do. Yeah. This this is bad. <laughs> like that's, we go through news stories and we talk about how terrible all the people writing news stories are. Not always. No, I mean, but Not then, always. I mean, kind of. But then we also talk about what the, the truth is. So we're trying to get the truth out there about things. And the truth about taxes is that they suck. They suck really bad. And that is by far the most truth I've heard since I started my day. Since the federal government started collecting taxes without adjusting for inflation, they've taken over $100 trillion away from the productive side of the economy. Jesus. $100 trillion. Okay. And w- what have we gotten from it? Some crusty old roads. All right. A bunch of wars. Maybe a good military. Maybe there's some good things. I'm not saying the government never did anything that was good whatsoever. But when you look at the money that you're going to pay in taxes this year, what could you have done with that money? You know, Charlie could have hired another person or he could have decided to pay his employees a fair wage. Like he, he could have done all, all sorts of different things. You know, I, I could have put a bunch of money towards my house or I could have invested in the, in a bunch of different things. And what's the government going to do with it? You know, literally the amount of money that you're going to pay today is, is going to buy two or three bottles of champagne at the next white house dinner. That's how I always say it. It's going to be gone. Air force one's going to be started up. And within a couple seconds, all the money you pay in taxes is literally going to be set on fire. <laughs> and, and so what in a combustible engine. Yeah. And so what, what are you getting out of all of this? And I, I really do wish that we all had to pay taxes like we do, like people who own businesses. I truly believe the tax rate, we would at least get to a flat tax. We would get to a consumption tax. We would get rid of taxation pretty quickly. 
if that was actually the case because yeah, when you not... write that check you got to ask yourself the question and the question it, the answer to the question is always not shit because the question is what did i get from this exactly <laughs> and got that's the answer you got, you got roads you got my roads you got police and fire yeah roads which aren't even i mean there's your i mean if you talk about if you talk about property taxes it's roads and schools if you talk about federal income taxes it's roads and schools if you talk about corporate taxes it's roads and schools it doesn't matter what it is used to be police also were included in that oh yeah well you try living without police you know <laughs> now everybody now wants we're, to be funded yeah, now we're wants to do you no know, it's not an accident that they slip that money out week by week from people's paychecks that's no accident oh, that no. they do that that's the only way they can do it you know how they got the uh, income tax passed was it was only going to be for the rich people yeah that's originally so what 1% it was 19- tax on the top one percent exactly that's, that's what it was going to be in 1913 man if i could go back and and you know convince people not to vote for woodrow wilson oh man that would be anytime someone asks what the who the worst president was i still say be. woodrow wilson because you got the income tax and the fed Yes. And I'm, I'm sure all kinds of other terrible things. And the 18th Amendment, which um, I think it was the eight or yes, the 18th Amendment. I can't remember. The, it was one or the other. First was the income tax. The second was uh, senators are no longer chosen by the states. Yeah. They're voted on by was a popular a vote, too. which was terrible as well, because now state interest it's more. It's way easier for federal government to have influence over the states now. It's more a democracy style than it used to be. It, right. it used to be the the state would pick who its two representatives were going to be, and right. they would represent the state. But now there's state interest. Now there's barely a difference between them and the representatives. You know, there was a difference. There was the representatives of the people, and then there was the representative for the state. And that's who would go to Washington and they would and they would vote on those things. Now you've got the representatives of the people and then the representatives of two other larger chunks of the people. Right. And they still, you know, there still is a lot of gridlock and everything. So I guess that's that's still good. But you could say that the the states were not uh, the states have not been adequately, uh, I don't know, represented with their ideals. I mean, look at the amount of people, look at the amount of states that go red every single year i mean what is it like it's like 35 states or something vote republican oh, yeah now imagine i'm not saying that if we had all republicans everything would be fine that's not what i'm saying at all and we've we've seen evidence that it doesn't matter so far but just imagine those 35 states that are going red all the time if they automatically had two senators in in congress all the time and there were and there was always that massive imbalance between the more democratic side i know it's a representative republican all that i get i get that but the more democratic side where they where the the people get to vote and and send their representatives and uh and then you would also have the states rights at the same time so it would be a lot different so woodrow wilson wins as far as, as yes. worst in my opinion if you guys fdr is not far behind if you, if you guys have uh someone better yeah i mean fdr is pretty close, but you could say Woodrow Wilson empowered FDR to do what he did, you know? So you got to trace it back to its roots. Jeff is saying his name was Woodrow. Woodrow. Yeah. Not Woodrow. Not Woodrow. 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 I mean... And quite frankly, I don't give a damn. What did you say? What his name is. I probably said Woodrow. I mean, that still says Woodrow. It just depends on... maybe he's just making fun of his name. Maybe he's just making fun of his name. Yeah, Yeah, don't take it so personally, Charlie. His name was Woodrow. I don't think that was criticism at all. No, probably not. Probably not. But even if it was criticism, I don't care because I can't stand the man in okay. his grave. Even. So the controversy, <laughs> the controversy in the grave, you don't want him. You don't even like him as I mean, there if there's certain people you can talk bad about after they die. Mm-hmm. And Woodrow Wilson's one of them. He is one of them. So anyway, uh, so the controversy of the day. I mean, this is a ridiculous crazy obviously the media is doing everything they can to make trump look as terrible as they possibly can which um they don't really need to do he'll do it himself and so they they really could take a break for a second but none of the staff has taken away his twitter yet so he will say plenty of dumb stuff if there was one thing that could have been done it would be his twitter but this was actually at a at a conference and here's the controversial thing he said and we'll talk about it we'll look at some of the numbers and we'll talk about what this means Here's the controversial thing Trump said. More white people die at the hands of law enforcement than black people. Hmm. Now, here's the problem. 
I understand the sentiment and what we're talking about and the disproportionate representation, you know, in relation to the population size and all that. I get it. But that's a true statement. So it's pretty crazy that like this was the number one story I saw. I saw a lot of people talking about it. Trump, Trump claims Trump claims this is literally what it says. Trump claims more white people die at the hands of law enforcement. That's that's because it's a true statement. It is like, actually true. He didn't just claim it. It's the actual truth that on on the whole, looking at the numbers, more white people die at the hands of law enforcement. Strictly speaking, numbers. So it it's just this crazy stuff. And then he says he defends flying the Confederate flag, uh, which he uh, will read what he actually said. So it says President Donald Trump grew defensive and claimed claimed still claimed. More white people than black people die at the hands of law enforcement during an interview with CBS News Monday. Despite the reality that unarmed black people are disproportionately more likely to die at the hands of police than white people. That's not what he said. Right. That's not what he said. He didn't say per capita. Now, yeah. <laughs> or now he I, didn't say as a percentage. I get. And listen, this is it's a crazy thing to try and make a point on and, and be annoyed with. But the the blatant dishonesty and manipulation that's coming out of the media i'm annoyed with it all the time even though i even though i'm not a trump supporter this is annoying and it's the same principle that causes them to write an article like this that causes them to write all kinds of other terrible bs articles all the time too so that's why we still even take about apart BS. stuff like this even, even about bs yeah whether it be bernie sanders or or ben shapiro either one so it says asked by cbs news uh, Catherine Herridge, why African-Americans are still dying at the hands of law enforcement, Trump shot back. He said, and so are white people. So are white people. What a terrible question to ask. And then he said, so are white people. More white people, by the way, more white people, Trump continued. It's a, it's a true statement. It's a, like it's, a, it, it's an actual true statement. So I, I don't know why they are, are able to run with things like this so much. So they say, and at the same at the same time, what he's saying here, essentially in this interview, is like, what a terrible question to ask. Well, you could ask this. You, I understand you need answers on police brutality. Ask it in a better way. That's what he's trying to say. Well, and you have to. And he's not afraid to. He's never been afraid to push back. No, you got to consider the answer in the frame, in the way that the question was framed. Right. The question was, why are African-Americans still dying at the hands of law enforcement? So Trump said, so are white people. White people are too. He didn't say this isn't a problem, this isn't anything like that. He's just saying that black people aren't the only people that are dying at the hands of law enforcement, which is true. About twice as many white people died at the hands of law enforcement last year or this year so far even i got some of the numbers on that hispanic people have died at the hands of the yeah, police we got, asians got all kinds of all kinds of numbers on that dogs there, a lot of dogs yeah probably seven or eight dogs today i bet yeah something like that there's a there is a a dog holocaust going on as far as the Among, police yeah exactly are concerned so beyond now this is this is how egregious they found this statement beyond the remarkable nature of the president's reaction to the question calling it terrible as the nation is having a reckoning about racial profiling and police brutality. The statement appeared misleading and racially insensitive. Did that, how, how, did, uh. sorry, I'm losing it because Magoo in the live group said, wait, what? Gotta go burn my closest auto zone. Be right back. <laughs> yeah. Set that thing on fire. Solve the problem. Set it on fire. Oh, Okay, so, so far in 2020, just so you guys can get the numbers, uh, 204 white people have been killed and 105 black people have been killed. And uh, those numbers are, are uh, different from one another. In fact, the number of white people is, is twice as much. And by the way, in 2017, now it's only July, so this is only counting up through July so far, probably June. Um, in 20, uh, 2017, it was 457 white people and 223 black people were killed. And so this, it annoys me about the problem because as libertarians, we look at the problem as the state has too much power. The law enforcement arm of the state is too early to aggression and there's too many people to get killed in police violence. And we could look at that as a as a whole problem and say that the problem is uh, are the laws that we have 
and the training and the qualified immunity and all things like this. And so you can look at the whole problem or you can decide if you want to be on that side of the political spectrum that the only problem is the amount of black people that are dying and that, and that that's the problem. And that really bothers me. Because once again, it's saying that some people's lives are more important than others. And it's saying that the problem, that you wouldn't find it to be a problem if it were only white people that were dying. Because you're saying that only the black people dying matter. So, of course, they go on to say there's a body research that police disproportionately shoot and kill black Americans. That's true. That is true. Yeah. Yes. Uh, in March, Dr. Matthew Miller, veteran gun violence researcher, professor of health sciences and epidemiology at Northeastern University, Co-authored a study, it says roughly a thousand people are shot to death by police officers every year. And after analyzing those deaths, Miller and his co-authors found that black Americans were twice as likely to be shot and killed by police officers compared with their representation in the population. Okay, so this this is a problem. And the Washington Post also pointed this out too. They've been tracking police killings since 2015. And they came to the same conclusion, basically, that black people are disproportionately killed. Now, by just police. to give you more facts, I'm not saying that there isn't any systemic racism in the criminal justice system, because I believe there is. But to give you more facts, uh, black males have committed also over 50% of the violent crime. Yeah. So there's a little bit of a, there's an imbalance on both sides. Candace, is that you? What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not excusing. <laughs> Let me be clear. I'm yeah. not excusing any type of police brutality whatsoever. Yeah, I believe in liberty and freedom, but I also have to say that the there the balance there's an imbalance on both sides, and you can ask the question. You have to ask the question, why and why do black males commit over fifty percent of violent crime? Why is that? And Wes hit the nail on the head right here. Wes and the group said the real issue is how many of those police violence deaths were people in or near poverty. I bet almost all of them. Amen. He said being poor doesn't have a race. And that's the actual problem. What you want to look at. It's economics. Is economics. It's what we talk about every day. Now, this uh, is why y'all come to this show, man. <laughs> it's economics. Of course, there, of course, there are people that are racist. And maybe as this goes on throughout time and police officers continuously deal with more people of color and they have more violent altercations with more people of color, they're going to be more likely over time to racially profile people. And we've talked about that before. If there is a, 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 a black, if there's two black guys in a car and a, and, a, and a cop is walking up to him and there's, and me and Charlie are sitting in the car and there's a cop walking up to him, I would say on a statistical basis, the police officer is gonna be a slightly more on edge walking up to the car with two black guys in it. Now, it's not those two black guys' faults whatsoever. Unless they've, if they've never done a bad thing in their lives, it's not their fault. It's, it's that police officer's experience, or it is the fact that maybe he's just blatantly racist. And it's not our fault because we're not the police officer and we're not all other white people and we're not all other, all other black people. And so if all of us are good people and there is this little difference when police are walking up to the vehicles, there could, there can definitely be a, a higher likelihood that that a, a cop is going to be faster to act when he's dealing with someone, a person of color. Yeah. That's, that's definitely a, a high possibility, but I still think well, that problem started with economics. Right. And so when you ask that question, why? Well, it probably started with terrible racism, which led to bad economics. And then now the bad economics right. is, has and continued. So when you ask that question, why, why is it, why do black males commit over 50% of violent crime? Why is it that people in poverty uh, commit these types of crimes or are more likely to be killed by police or are doing um, dealing drugs or whatever it may be. First of all, drugs should be legal. So that's, that's problem number one. But second of all, why is it? And it's it, when you look at the actual data and, and I, what, what I like to bring up are two black PhD authors, Walter Williams and Thomas soul, two of the greatest people you can read, by the way, where do you go to I, get a black PhD? I don't is that different. They're, they're black men that happen to have PhDs. Okay. That's what I mean. So, cause I had, I saw that meme one day. It's like, you got to read black people that have PhDs. And I'm like, I already have, yeah. <laughs> and I'll read more of them. But anyway, I, I read the ones that confirm my biases. It's, it's, <laughs> it's perpetrated, um, based on the exact policies. If you look at urban populations and you look at the policies of the 
political parties controlling urban populations. It's that's exactly how it's been perpetrated mm. since God, the fifties and sixties, they've been doing the same thing. It all boils down basically to the welfare state and how they incentivize people into broken families and other things. And then what else are they supposed to do? You know, when your backs up against the wall and you don't have a family, you don't have anybody to rely on. What do you turn to? Well, and when you're when we have the culture of the drug war like we do right now, and we have all this criminalization of all kinds of drugs and people end up having to be in violent gangs or you end up it ends up being a very dangerous job to be someone who's selling marijuana or doing something like that. I mean, I'm not saying that's the whole statistic, but the drug war plays a massive part. And then there's a cycle. There's just a generational cycle. Yes. The more this goes on, more people get put in prison and then more people grow up without fathers in the homes. And then those people grow up and then they can end up doing, you know, having a tougher time leading a good life. And then that, that cycle just keeps going all the time. I did want to point out one thing with the statistics and I'm not saying this is the full case, but when we bring up the statistic that black males commit over 50% of the violent crimes, that can still be explained away, by the way, just plain devil's advocate, that could be explained away by racism because if police are only looking for black males or they're treating them differently, then it would skew the statistics towards black males going down as people who commit violent crimes. And if they treat white people differently, then less white people are going to go down for the crimes and more black people are going to go down for the crimes and they're going to skew the numbers when when that comes out. So True. so that argument can well, still be you, explained away by systemic racism and the, racism in the police and stuff like but that. But let me give so, you another piece of anecdotal <clears throat> evidence of why it's a poverty issue. O.J. Simpson. Yeah. <laughs> the guy got away with murder and everyone knows it. You know, he was a rich black man with good a good team of lawyers. Yeah. And then he made them famous. That's why we have the Kardashians, by the way. You thank O.J. Simpson. Man, that's but, the worst thing he ever did. <laughs> Sorry. That's, that's not true. That's a good joke. Not bad. He <laughs> was the naked gun. That's what it was. <laughs> but but that's a piece of anecdotal evidence that can go swing yeah. the other way, right? And and again, I'm I to be clear, I do think that there is some systemic racism. And it's filled in the criminal justice system. I mean, God, my God, you watch, um, you know, some some places like Alabama where more black people are put on death row than any other race. And they're there for and you look at some of their cases in Alabama, Mississippi, some of their cases. It's clear <clears throat> that there has been certain cases of racism take place. So, yeah, so it's that that definitely plays a factor. I'm not trying to say it doesn't. But I'm saying that it's it's a multivariate problem. It like is. every problem we face. It's not just one single thing. It's not thing. one thing. If you don't end and, the drug war, if you don't end the welfare state, if you don't end qualified immunity, if you don't train better, just simply outlawing racism is not going to do anything about the problem. Exactly. At, at all. Neither and and simply reparations will not do it either. Oh no, it'll make it worse. Yeah, it'll make it worse. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to say on this. And <clears throat> and you know, what did BS say about this? Oh, this is a, another, this is just a separate. Oh, sorry, I thought he was. No, no. Okay, so tell me about the Confederate flag then. Well, okay, so what Trump had to say about the Confederate flag. Now, listen, I'm I'm no fan of the Confederate flag. I think it sends a bad message. I think there is an obvious, uh, there's an, an obvious uh, ideology that is pushed behind that. And, I, and I, think, I think people that are holding on to it you know, they, you know, you're looking at the, the South and rebels, and actually the more you attack it, the more people are going to want to have the Confederate flag because it's a rebel flag. And so the people who have it are going to be more entrenched in their ideas. But, I, you know, it, uh, I, I'm not particularly fond of that whatsoever. But uh, here's what he said. Uh, the president went on to offer a defense for the, for the flying of the Confederate flag, saying people love it, and I know people like that like that the confederate flag and they're not thinking of slavery i, I look at nascar you had the flags all over the place <laughs> um trump did not reveal his personal opinion on the flag other than to repeat his insistence that he supports freedom of speech he said all all i say is freedom of speech it's very simple my attitude is freedom of speech very strong views on the confederate flag with me it's freedom of speech very simple like it don't like it it's freedom of speech <laughs> i'm comfortable with freedom of speech it's very simple <laughs> now that's a even though he said it in the way that he said it and that's obviously comical um it's a good point it right. is freedom of speech exactly i mean that 
it is it's it's simple like yeah. it don't like it prune the speech you know it's true yeah it is M- much like <clears throat> you can burn the lgbtq flag if you want to but that's you can but, and not go to prison not for go to 30 years sh- yeah exactly yeah, yeah. you know it, it's this it, it You're is saying the same that lgbtq people are the same as people that uh that fought for the confederacy no. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? God, you, <laughs> I'm just trying. Are you, to, an, are you an MSN reporter? I'm telling <laughs> MSN. I, I'm trying. I'm telling no, you how what that I'm, can be spun. What I'm saying is, it's it is freedom of speech. Now, just like Trump, regardless of your views on the Confederate flag, it is freedom of speech. And and to me, wouldn't you rather? Let's say the Confederate flag is symbolic of slavery and uh, racism itself. It is the KKK symbol. Let's say that it, let's let's say that it is. Wouldn't you rather know the people that are flying it? Yeah. And have them out in the open to be like, okay, well, I know to avoid that place because I don't want to go around this Confederate flag. Yeah. Wouldn't you rather the freedom of speech be so that people can have debate and dialogue and know where they should go and can't go rather than trying to suppress it. Because what happens is those people go underground and then it turns to violence. It makes it way worse. You should try to beat people with ideas instead of just outlawing someone having the flag. That doesn't change them at all. It doesn't change their heart and mind whatsoever. Freedom of speech is for things like this. Exactly. It's for the very things that you hate. That's what freedom of speech is for. You know, I was listening to um, Jordan Peterson's latest podcast, and he was talking about the um, the flag being a symbol. Um, you know, and he said that's why so many people get upset about burning the American flag because of what it represents. And he said what it represents is the idea of the nation and the idea of the freedom and, and the things that everybody enjoys. But the burning of the flag also represents the corruption of that uh of of that state and so people are burning the flag as a warning saying hey we're gonna we're getting too corrupt we need to do things and he said both things are correct by the way it is a symbol of something that is great and something that was um that has been built upon and does provide human life with a lot of value but also it can become corrupt and honestly and you know we get we get flack all the time for our upside down flag same thing it's not that we don't believe in the symbol. We don't believe in America. We don't believe in the ideas and the principles. The reason why we have our flag upside down on our logo is for the exact reason uh, that we do believe in those ideas and those principles so much that it is a warning saying that we are becoming too corrupt. We're becoming too tyrannical. We're losing our freedoms and our liberties. We are sending a signal saying we are in distress. Yeah. Something needs to happen. To be honest with you, seeing someone burn an American flag should prove the point that much more that America is still one of the greatest countries because your freedom to burn that flag is something that a lot of people don't have. Right. And someone being allowed to burn the flag is actually making the case that what the flag represents is that much better. Right. And is that much more true? It's on display, actually. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> it's-, it's displaying the American ideal, right. which is that we're all individuals and that the government is not supreme over all of us and that we can burn the flag of the of, of America and be totally fine. So when you see that being done, to me, it makes America, the idea, that much better. Same thing with <clears throat> kneeling for the flag, by the way. That doesn't mean that a corporation has to keep you employed if they don't want to. Yeah. But you're free to kneel or sit or do push-ups or squat or whatever you want to do when the national anthem's played. You just... <laughs> You have to abide by the rules of, of the of the person giving you a paycheck. That's yeah. the that's the only contention with that. So it, I don't know. Confederate flag, mm. whatever. I'm going to take Trump's stance <clears throat> here. People love it. And I know that that like the Confederate flag and they're not thinking of slavery. I look at NASCAR. You had all the flags all over the place. I'm taking the same thing. It's freedom of speech. Well, and what I was more what I was more annoyed about was that in the heart in the headline for the article they said that Trump defended flying the Confederate flag. And of course they word it in a way where Trump defends, you know, the, what that idea represents in the Confederate flag. Yeah. He defended people's right to fly the Confederate flag is what he defended. But they're trying to say Trump is a card carrying KKK member. Yes, that, and that is what they're trying to <laughs> exactly. get out. 
And he's making false claims that more white people die than black people at the hands of law enforcement. Now, the unarmed numbers are, uh, are the, to me, really important ones uh, for sure. And last year, that was 15 for black people and 25 for white people, I believe, something like that. So still more, but obviously the population uh, is it, it's disproportionate for sure for yeah for black for black people so tell me about this bernie sanders tweet real quick charlie if you want to do that or, or i can do it if you want me to yeah you go ahead and do that one because okay. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about the the <clears throat> yeah. budget deficit coming up here so the tweet that he this was retweeting so funny by the way I, know. I just can't even the tweet that he was retweeting came from the new york times they said breaking news newsflash everyone about 5.4 million Americans lost health insurance in the pandemic, more than have ever lost coverage through job losses in a year, an analyst found. All right. So what Bernie Sanders said was, what we are witnessing is the absolute absurdity of our profit-driven, employer-based private health care system. That was pretty good, wasn't that it? That was good. Yeah. Health care can no longer be an employee benefit. <laughs> we must make it a human right. Through Medicare for all. That's what he said. So he said, what we were witnessing is the absolute absurdity of our profit-driven employer-based private health care system. <laughs> Jesus. Health care can no longer be an employee benefit. We must make it a human right through Medicare for all. They lost their health insurance because they lost their jobs. I know. And then now, so you got the immediate problem, which is. And why did they lose which, their jobs? You got the immediate problem, which is we destroyed the economy. <laughs> The government destroyed the economy by forcing businesses to close, yeah. and thus they had to lay people off because you have to pay people money, and you can only make money if you can make transactions with other people and provide value in the market. And and so they they force people to close. They force people to go into unemployment. And then we've also got the 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 deeper issue, which is that what we are witnessing is the absurdity of our profit-driven, employer-based private healthcare system. Now, listen, I know that we have a private healthcare system, technically, but we have got an insanely, insanely regulated. We do not have a free market healthcare system whatsoever. And in fact, you can obviously tra trace back. Well, well, let's trace it back further. What's the problem? Uh, why do we have so many people that have employer-based health insurance? Well, you can trace that back to FDR. Well, oh, he says it right here. It's profit. It's profit-driven. Profit-driven. That's what it is. Yeah. No, we we uh, decided we were going to freeze wages. And uh, during, I believe, during the 40s, they were going to freeze wages. And since businesses needed to attract good people and they couldn't they couldn't raise wages or anything like that. It was part of the New Deal, wasn't it? I, I don't remember when exactly it was. Uh, anyway, dur during FDR... Uh, so what businesses started doing was they started offering benefits. And part of those benefits was uh, health insurance. And then that just kept spreading and kept spreading. And more and more people, more and more jobs. Well, once some people start offering the health insurance from the business, well, they've got to do that. And then also, you have another piece of government intervention in there where the government makes a deal, starting off with Blue Cross Blue Shield, to go ahead and let employer purchased insurance be tax-free, be pre-tax money. Mm -hmm. So when they purchase their employer plans, it's actually done tax-free. And then when you buy private health insurance on the market, well, you your income has got to be taxed and then you go and buy it. So you have less buying power to go and buy the insurance. So they made this deal starting off with Blue Cross Blue Shield and they made it to where yeah, we'll do some community rating and some things like that, but here's what we got to do. We got to make our employee insurance plans tax-free. And then it's easier for employers to buy insurance. And then you create this system where they want to offer the insurance as benefits. And then as some employers start doing it, well, all the other employers have to start following along because they have to compete for people that need, they need to get people to come work also. So anyway, uh, the it idea... Was, uh, it was October 1942. Okay. And there's a great article from the Chicago Tribune that says uh, employer-based health insurance was a wartime accident. <laughs> wartime accident. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I hate it when those accidents happen. Because he freezed wages and salaries. Yeah. Man. It's so, it, it, God. This the is, market has to find a way to offer people more money to come and work and to attract better people or to keep people at their business. The absurdity of this is not... 
that we have an employer-based private healthcare system. The absurdity is Bernie Sanders doesn't understand that all these problems can be traced back to government. It was government forced wage freezing and, and all of that, that, that started employer-based health insurance. Then it was the government shutting down the economy and the government forcing people to lose their jobs. And then the people losing their health insurance. It, it, I just, but it all comes back to our profit driven. Yes. Evil healthcare system. Yeah. And, and that's the problem. And you know what? Almost every single problem that we have comes from the, f- the, the government. Yeah. And you were going to say the federal government is what you're going to say. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> That's the that's, F word. That's the F word that we should say. That's the F say. word that most came to the forefront of my mind was the federal, was the federal F word. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, that entity from which I hate thou so much. <laughs> I can't, I get, you know, you, you said that we talk, we, we destroy the news a lot, but you know what? I just can't help it. I can't help it because things like this, that just grind my gears, man. We do have a good story in the stack later if we yes. make it to it. So I did make sure that we put something, a positive win for, for Liberty yes. later in the, later in the stack. Let's, so. let's talk about our conservatives in government <laughs> and our federal budget deficit. All right. This coming from reason. Um, Derek said that since we know so much about uh, healthcare, because that's if you guys don't know, that is uh, that's what we do. Uh, Charlie started a business in the healthcare industry and has been working <laughs> and has been working <laughs> in the healthcare industry for quite some time. Worked for CHS, which is a massive healthcare company, HCA, which is a massive healthcare company, and then has uh, his own healthcare company that uh, that that I help out with as well. And, uh, and then I've been benefited by my, my wife being a financial analyst for a healthcare company, and I get all the deets all the time, too. So uh, he said we should do a few episodes explaining some stuff. So it's been a little while since we, did, bonus episode. since we did healthcare-based episodes. We could, do a, uh, we could do a Patreon episode, actually. Yeah. On, uh, on healthcare. That sounds good. Yeah. Let's okay. Get, take a deep dive into it. Yeah. All right. Magoo says, uh, go federal yourself, government. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The federal budget deficit in June was bigger than the entire federal budget deficit for 2018. Just for June. Just for June. One month. All right. This coming from Reason. In January 2019, the CBO, Congressional Budget Office, published one of its recurring looks at America's likely budget and economic trajectory over the coming decade. These reports are useful for showing not just the current state of the FISC I'm guessing the fiscal year, but where nonpartisan government analysts think it will go and what might occur as a result. Let me tell you something. They're not nonpartisan, but anyway, they claim to be. They offer both uh, an off the moment snapshot and a rough sense of what to expect. What the CBO said at the time was that the country's debt and deficits were on a risky, perhaps even dangerous track. The annual budget deficit, the gap between government spending and tax revenues, would run about $900 billion in 2019, and it would push beyond $1 trillion every year, starting in 2022. This was their report in January of 2019. Right. Yeah. Uh, debt as a percentage of the country's total economy would rise steadily, reaching 93% of GDP by 2029, the highest level since the years directly following World War II. Oh, that's my bad. I thought we were already over GDP. Hmm. Uh, we are now. Oh yeah, we definitely this is, are now. This was their, uh, this was their, uh, their analyst. Yeah, predicting this. Automatic spending on major entitlements would keep government spending high and make reductions difficult. Interest payments on the nation's rising debt would become one of the country's largest spending categories. The persistently high levels of debt and deficits, meanwhile, would serve as a drag on economic growth. Overall debt levels were on track to reach the highest levels in the nation's history. All of this was reason to worry. Quote, such high and rising debt would have significant negative consequences both for the economy and for the federal budget, the report warned, with the reduced national productivity and total wages plus an increased likelihood of of fiscal crisis. In an emergency scenario, policymakers might be more constrained from responding in the most effective way. Debt and deficits were a modest burden on the economy in good times, and the higher they ran, the more economic risk accumulated. Now, remember, don't say as he's reading through this. This was the report talking about how terrible it was that we had a nearly $1 trillion deficit. Yeah. That's right. what this, all of this in 2019 is describing how terrible the deficit was at a trillion dollars. Right. So 
that's not good. So here we go. Um, and, and it reiterates that right here. It says, again, this was the outlook in 2019 when the unemployment rate was below 5%, when the deficit was projected to run about $900 billion over a 12-month span, when daily viral death tolls and case count heat maps weren't posted on major news sites like uh, especially grisly weather reports. In June of this year, the federal deficit was $864 billion. Good Lord. That is 10 times more than what Bill Gates is worth. <laughs> right? Yeah, it something like Bill that. Gates. Yeah. That is 10 times more than what Bill Gates' entire net worth of his entire life that he's ever created uh, that we spent in the month of June. Just imagine. That's a good point. That's a deficit, by the way, which means we spent more than that if you in took, the month of June. If you took the entire wealth of Jeff Bezos, the entire wealth of Bill Gates, the entire wealth of Elon Musk, and the entire wealth of Warren Buffett, and that would end up equaling somewhere like 300 billion dollars something Spent like that almost three times that in one month in one month just on the deficit and then all of it would be gone by the way right it'd be, it'd be gone and we would still spend three times more than that it's it's insane on the deficit just the deficit like what was the actual yeah. spending expenditure for june as well <laughs> oh i keep forgetting that it's the deficit it's just the deficit <laughs> <I know. laughs> there's more spending than that all right that's more than, than the entire annual budget deficits of 2017, which was $665 billion, or 2017, which was $779 billion. More than any year during, during the George W. Bush administration or Barack Obama's second term. In June of 2019, the federal budget deficit was $8 billion, which almost seems like a typo now. <laughs> the reason, of course, is the federal response to the coronavirus, especially the CARES Act and various other spending bills designed to prop up the economy, which the CBO now projects won't recover for more than a decade. A decade, people. The most recent 10-year outlook warns that unemployment will remain above 10% for the rest of this year and remain elevated until past 2030. Economic growth is expected to be sluggish, probably $17 trillion less than the pre-COVID track we were on. As the last 18 months have shown, all of this could rapidly change, but the United States is uncharted territory, uncharted waters in terms of both public finances and their effect on the economy, and no one really knows where we'll go from here. You know, I don't know if you put this in here, but there, um, there could still be a pretty major economic collapse still. Oh, we, yeah. We may not have seen the bottom yet. You know, as I mentioned earlier, that I read an article today, 36% of households, something like that, 33%, 34% of households uh, have, did not make their monthly payment for their mortgage in June. Yeah. And they didn't for April, <clears throat> May, or June. Now, they said in the article that it was paid by the end of the month, but they 34, 35% of households did not make their mortgage or rent payment. But they said that Think if they paid that. at the end of the month that it was likely they were going to miss the next month's also. Right. Because they weren't going to have the money until the end of the month then, and there's no way they were going to have the money for their rent a week later. Right. So I think I, think I mentioned mm -hmm. on the show there's something, there's billions of dollars in unpaid corporate rent as well. Yeah. So think about this. I mean, no one has any money. No yeah. one does. We're spending it's all quite a bit. Yeah. And we're, we're just, we're trying to, spend as fast as we possibly can and no one has anything. And so imagine, you know, uh, somebody said the dominoes, you know, another, another domino is falling with this housing crisis. Like, so if we have the same things happen, if the corporate bond market blows up, uh, you, then you have corporate real estate, then you have uh, the bond market in it <clears throat> itself uh, with the federal debt and all of that. Then if you have another housing collapse and all of this, I mean, we could see uh, pr the biggest, depression ever in the history of the united states yeah and uh yeah it's i'm not trying to fear monger i'm just saying that's possible wake up america <laughs> it's time to wake up get your <laughs> shit together <laughs> it's tax day okay right. so this is a this is an appropriate conversation but i mean i was looking at it earlier you know we're going to spend after the next stimulus because there will be another one um it, it's upwards of 10 trillion dollars this year that we'll end up spending at that rate, you know, I was just, of course, Jesus. writing a check for my taxes this year. I was like, at, at what point do the income taxes not even matter anymore? 
Like it's such, it's going to be, it, it's going to be such a small percentage of, of what the government is actually spending that they won't even need like, and that's the point where you see that it's actually really, that it's really bad. I'm not making the case that that's, that, that, you know, this is a case to what, whatever, that our debt doesn't matter, that the, the printing doesn't matter. That's, I'm not doing a Paul Krugman here because he's actually made that point before, but at what point? And that's does, where you get comments of like, uh, well, who are we in debt to? Yeah. <laughs> but at what point does the taxation not even matter anymore? Because we're taking in 3.5 trillion in taxes and we're going to spend 10 trillion this year and it's going to keep piling on and something like 2 trillion or a little bit more than that is from the personal income taxes and payroll taxes things like that like at what point does that tax money not even not even need to be collected anymore because what's another 2 trillion printed right. at this point right. why would you even be able to tell you could print another 2 trillion and not tax anyone in the country <laughs> this year <laughs> right. and that's how dangerous of a situation we're in right now that you could literally print another two trillion, not tax anyone, and and you would barely even be able to tell. And ten years down the road, you're definitely going to be able to tell as right. that goes on. So this is not an argument that this is what we need to do. We should just be spending a trillion dollars a month. Then the budget would be enough. Yeah, then it would be enough. We're <laughs> almost at a trillion dollars a month. I know. <laughs> Good lord. Oh. So Wes said, but at what point do we go into hyperinflation or hyperdeflation? And, and we talked about this some yesterday. You know, I don't know what point that's going to be. We've been talking about how terrible the debt was and how terrible the printing was and all that for a long time. And it keeps going up and the dollars remained, you know, as solid as it normally remains, basically. And it's a lot of it is in relation to how much the other countries are printing at the same time. What A lot of times what you'll see with hyperinflation is one country has an economic collapse within itself and then it prints like crazy and then its dollar loses value in relation to what it needs to buy for imports and what it's exporting, all that kind of stuff. Like in so Venezuela. Then, like in Venezuela, you know, uh, what would that be? Zimbabwe, Germany, all these places where, where these bad things have happened. If the entire world is doing it at the same time, it can, it, it can go slower than what we would expect but I have no idea what number that's going to be. Once the once the interest on the debt is, you know, as much as what we're taking in in taxes or is more than the military budget, which is going to be, it's going to be in a, a few years now, something like that. Mm -hmm. You're going to hit that point where you hit your credit card and you've got that 30% interest rate and it just starts compounding like crazy. And that's where it's going to get, it's going to start to spike up really, really bad. So I think and then you still have all these un, uh, unfunded liabilities that are due. Yeah. So you, you like Medicaid and Medicare and all these promises that you've made uh, when you start defaulting on those because you literally can't complete the promise. And you eventually have people who aren't going to buy any more government bonds because they become worthless so quickly. What we do right now is the government will sell a bond and it'll say, hey, give us a million dollars and we'll give you back a million and two hundred thousand dollars uh here in in 10 years those are not hard numbers or anything here in 10 years we'll give you back a million 20 percent huh? yeah it's a pretty good amount right That's there good bond we'll give you back a a, a million and two thousand dollars <laughs> <laughs> well it's going to compound a little bit over over oh, that okay. time but Anyway, not a hard number. It's a rough <laughs> estimate. Okay. That's a good bond. You should get that, honestly. Right. Um, you should borrow the million to get that and bond, And so they actually. say, in ten, yeah, in, you should. In 10 years, well, then, then we'll pay you back $1.2 million. And then when that bond comes due, they say, well, we don't have the $1.2 million to give you. So here's what we'll do. Double hey, or nothing. Hey, you over there. Give us $1.2 million, and here in 10 years, we'll give you back $1.4 million. And then they give that guy $1.2 million, and then they say, hey, in 10 years, we'll give you... And then 10 years later, well, that, that bond is due, and they say, well, we don't have 1.4. Hey, you, give us 1.4, and we'll give you back 1.65 here in 10 years. And so that's a bond bubble. That's, that's what that's called, is a bond bubble. And so what we keep having to do is we keep having to borrow money to pay back debts that we owe the people. And then we keep borrowing more money to pay back those debts from the people that lent us the money for, for a little bit. And then eventually that thing pops and it gets really bad. And then people stop giving money to the federal government for those bonds. 
because they'll become worthless. And then the government's not taking in any of this any of this and capital still has to meet its obligations. And then they so, still have to pay it back. So how do they meet their obligations? They print all of it. That's when they print and then it. That's when the hyperinflation exactly. happens. So that that's, for us. Yeah. Not for them. Yeah. It's for us. It's a hidden <clears throat> tax. Yeah. So, and it's not, uh, you know, it's not impossible. You know, people like Krugman will come out and say that it's, <laughs> it's impossible. You know, the American dollar yeah. will never, it's not impossible folks. I'm not saying it's happening tomorrow. We're not saying it's going to happen in 10 years. We don't actually don't know the time, but here's the thing. It's not impossible. It just happened in Venezuela. Like literally just happened. What, what was that? Five years ago, six years ago. Yeah. In fact, you know, things got so bad in Venezuela that they just literally decided to print new bills and say, you know, the new $1 ruble was worth like, what was it? A hundred thousand yeah. ruble? Is that Something what they like, use? I don't remember. Like I don't that. know what the ratio is. Right. But. There's like here's the new one dollar, and it yeah. equaled what you know ten thousand or a hundred thousand used to be. Something like that. Like that's how bad it got, and that's how bad it can get. And America's not exempt from that. No, we're not, we're not exempt from that at all. So, and but like fact, you said, the the way that we go around making enemies around the entire world, we're we're very. Uh, it's very possible because we we don't exactly create uh, tons of friends everywhere around no. the whole world. So China's not going to come. What, that's what Magoo said. We'll yeah. we'll see hyperinflation when we run out of bombs. <laughs> yeah, there you go. When we yeah. can't bomb people in the submission right. to buying our bonds anymore. <laughs> when we see the bomb bond bomb, then that's bad. Yeah, that's that, the BB, when that happens. That's the BBB. The, B, the triple B rated. Collapse anyway. Bond bombs. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Well, you bring up a good point though, because like we're not really making friends around the world, let's say. And so all it would take, let's say, it would literally take Russia and China getting together and saying, Yeah, we don't recognize the dollar anymore. We yeah. don't trust it. Because there's nothing actually backing up the dollar anymore. It's literally the full faith and credit of the United States. It's a Federal Reserve note. It's nothing. It's Fagusi, Fagazi. <laughs> It's fairy dust. Fairy dust. It doesn't land it. It's not fucking real. <laughs> exactly. Okay? And so uh, these con the country, other countries around the world would just have to be like, well, we don't, we're not on the dollar standard no longer. We're, we're no longer a part of the dollar standard. We are now recognizing the euro or whatever it may be. Well, and what you were just talking about with China yesterday, where they're growing their GDP at, yeah. at such a high rate. And eventually they work themselves into being their reserve currency and people aren't, you know, they're not exchanging mostly in, in U.S. dollars anymore. They're exchanging in whatever the com communo currency is that they've got going on over there. I can't remember, why can't I remember the name? They have two the of them. The Yuan? Is that what it yeah. is? I think is that the one they like trade that? publicly? I don't think they trade public publicly. There's a Japanese yen, which I used to get confused with the Chinese currency. Okay. But um, I thought they did trade one publicly and one they have private. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure they have two different currencies. I'm not That's sure. That's how badass China is. Well, we've got good news in the stack to end the show. And this one hits close to home. Close to home. And uh, we talked about how our music our music days, our college experience was was touring around playing music. And uh, Nashville's always had a really crazy rule. And this is a little win for Liberty. And it's a little win for the people in Nashville. Did you guys know that in Nashville, Tennessee, up until a few days ago, it was illegal for you to have a recording studio in your house? <laughs> How crazy is Literally. that? And so the studio that we recorded at, by the way, and if you take the 290 episode challenge, you'll hear a guy on the podcast named John King uh, had an, an amazing studio, produced a bunch of really good music, produced both of our bands, and um, he he had a studio in his house, and it was uh, it was secret, secretive, and we actually it, helped build it. We helped build it, and the thing There's had a lot of blood, sweat, and tears in that building. The thing the thing had two walls, and the neighbors that talked to them when he moved out, they had no idea that he had a recording studio there. Yeah, and you're talking about a recording studio that literally is the size of someone's house. And it was in his backyard that had been built in the very back. And it was so well insulated that the next door neighbors that were 25 feet away did not know that there was a recording studio had there. no idea. If they would have found out, then all the money he poured into that studio, it, it would have been shut down. And he would have had to pay mm -hmm. a crazy fine. So anyway, Music, music City <laughs> finally legalizes home studio businesses. 
So this is a win for liberty. I wanted to end with something good. Nashville, Tennessee has repealed its long-standing prohibition on client visits to home businesses, <laughs> a policy that effectively banned Music City's home studio recording industry. I wonder why they would do that. I wonder which gigantic music studios in Nashville helped write this law. Yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> These studio owners, alongside thousands of other home businesses, will now be able to serve their customers on-site without fear of legal sanction at a time when millions of Americans are working remotely. Took a pandemic. Yeah. So it, <laughs> it, it wasn't just for music studios, by the way. It was the people that run home home businesses as right. well so this is going to be a lot of people who who cut hair and do nails and, and things like that right taxes you know all that kind of stuff uh a quote Healthcare. Quote, <laughs> yeah doctors you know surgical <laughs> visits all kinds of stuff yeah. like that i quote i feel like i'm in a mild state of shock says home studio owner uh shaw who had sued the city to overturn the ban uh who re reason profiled last year. This is from Reason.com, by the way. Great website, Reason.com. Uh, to wake up the next day on a beautiful Nashville morning and think, holy shit, <laughs> I don't have to hide anymore. Everything's changed now and I can do what I want to do. Wow. Listen to that sentence once again. To wake up the next day, the next morning and think, I don't have to hide anymore. Everything's changed now. I can do what I want to do. That's a win. That's what came from this. All right. It's a big win. Crazy. A bill approved by the Nashville Metro Council last Wednesday permits home business owners like Shaw to have up to six customers visit their house each day. So your ska band is You're still going to have a tough time <laughs> recording live. You know, so but that's still, yeah, I guess take what we can get. Yeah. It's still ridiculous to put restrictions on it. <laughs> what if I wanted to have 50 people, 50, 50 customers, customers in my house at the same time? That's Who gives a shit? Not allowed. Too dangerous. Uh, that's a marked change from the city's prior regulations, which, which flatly prohibited client visits to home businesses, save for daycares and Airbnb-style short-term rental operations. <laughs> few uh, few exceptions. A, with a few people who gave us the right amount of money. Right. That prohibition had been on the books since the late 1990s when the city did a comprehensive overhaul of its zoning code. It was comprehensive. Right. Okay. The policy appears to be unique to Nashville. Bizarrely, there is no known record of why it was enacted. They they were lost in a tragic boating accident. Right. <laughs> the, re the records were. For more than two decades, the ban on client visits existed in tension with the thousands of home studio businesses that helped sustain Nashville's music scene. So anyway. People, a lot of people were still, you know. Oh, still doing it. Still doing it. But you were doing it at, with you know it could be really bad they could find you they could they could seize your property they could they could do whatever you know that this is literally like it's like operating an illegal for-profit casino out of your house or something like that which would should still be legal by the way you know you should be able to take a rake right. i think on your on your on your card game but um but anyway this is a win for liberty so we saw something um you know we saw something good and uh, wanted to point that out. Plus, we're here in Nashville, and we recorded at an illegal studio for several years, uh, where we had to park in certain ways and and make sure that apparently we apparently this wasn't a legal studio until <laughs> a week ago. <laughs> I guess if we had someone pay us to come in and record a podcast right. in here, then that would have been illegal. Right? I hadn't really thought about that. Oh, I mean, people are paying us on Patreon. Yeah. I mean, huh? Well, it's a, it's got to be in home client visits. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh. So I see. Anyway, it just uh, depends on whether or not they were a good guitar player or a crappy guitar player. I would player. like to see a lot, a lot of other ordinances and laws overturned. Are you sure? A few of them? I, I said oh, I would like to see a lot more. I, I was being sarcastic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> more of this. Yes. Yeah. And, so and more reactions like that. Like, oh, my God. I'm, I'm free. I'm free. It's like a. It's like I got out of jail or what something. What a terrible, sad statement to hear from someone in, in Nashville, Tennessee. It's sad, and it's also like amazing at the same time. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so there's your good news. There's a win for Liberty. Hopefully, your local town, your city, your county is going to do some more good things like this. And uh, some of this freedom can be won at a local level because a lot of the tyranny comes at local levels. Listen, a... a a tyrant one mile away can be just as bad as a tyrant a thousand miles away. Okay. Yeah. So the local is better because you've got more control over them, but local governments can still be extremely tyrannical. As You're, long as there was a pandemic going on, you have more uh, ammo in your pocket. There you go. Yeah. Literally sometimes a lot more ammo Todd, in your pocket. 
I was right, by the way. Todd said, uh, Todd said the one is China's economic system. I said one. Yeah, but hang on. The renminbi, the RMB is their official money, but only used internally. Ah, so I they got do you. have two cur- currencies. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, Remimbi, something like that. Sound very Chinese. It doesn't. It really doesn't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. You want to tell me what one that sounded Chinese would sound like? I don't know which one. <laughs> okay. All right. I anyway, don't. guys, if you are interested in trading even currencies, but not the yuan, okay. If you are interested in day trading then we've got the solution for you. It's called the Liberty Trading Academy. Go to mastermytrades.com if you're interested in learning how to read charts, see the strategies that we use as much as we can force ourselves to use them because we are completely undisciplined, terrible little kids (laughs) over here sometimes. But if you follow the strategy, then you're going to do pretty well. And we're going to tell you exactly what all those strategies are. We'll talk about all of the emotions and the psychology that goes behind trading every single day. There's 200 freaking videos on the website. So plenty of material, hours and hours and hours of material on there. Go to mastermytrades.com today if you want to go ahead and jump in on that action. All right, it's not too late. There's new opportunities every single day. You might think, well, the time to be in day trading would have been a few months ago. Guys, today we are trading the stock that was up 350%, and it made that move in the span of a couple hours. There's literally an opportunity or several every single day. The stock okay? opened at $2.80 and went all the way to $10.30. Yeah. So that's 300 and something percent gain. So it's, it's not, absolutely insane. It's not too late. There's a new opportunity every single day. There's new COVID vaccines. When the riots started happening, the, these uh, companies that make body cameras were popping like crazy. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of things every single day. No matter, no matter what's going on, there's a new stock that's popping and like crazy every day. If the market does crash, the other cool thing is you can short. You can still make money. Oh, yeah. You yeah. can still go down. Yeah. Well, everybody is going down. You, your portfolio can be going up yep. because you're in control of it. And that's the most important thing is at least understanding and being able to control what happens with your own money. Yeah. So that's the most important thing. I mean, it's literally, you can learn what, what's, I don't remember what our price is. 40 bucks a month. I don't remember. It's like 50, not, maybe something like that. It's nothing Yeah. to learn the very basics of the market. And to understand what that is, if you go to other trading uh, training courses or any of that, you're going to be paying hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. So for as little as like 50 bucks a month, 40 bucks, something like that, I don't remember exact price, go check it out, mastermytrades.com. Start learning and uh, controlling your own money, your own wealth. So uh, as I mentioned earlier, if you want to be woke, then you need to join, (laughs) then you need to join our Patreon group. Go to patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty. Get in on the live action. Hang out with us like all these guys and uh, ladies do, like Cheryl and Todd, Sam, Maurice, Magoo. All these people are fun. Jeff, AA, Ron, love this live group. Wes, Brian, Todd, bunch of great people. So I said Wes. Jim. Jim. No, it's Magoo. Maurice. (laughs) I already said all these people. (laughs) So get in. By going to patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty, it's only five bucks a month. So literally, basically nothing again. I'm telling you guys, we're giving this stuff away basically for free. There's no reason not to go sign up and enjoy all that we have to offer. But as always, we appreciate every single one of you listening to the show. We appreciate y'all sharing it. So if if I'm telling you that I appreciate you and you haven't shared the show, well, I don't appreciate you then. If you want me to appreciate you, you need to share the show. Paul. So thank y'all. I'm sorry. I forgot Paul. Thank y'all <laughs> for sharing the show. Thank you for listening. Thank you for leaving us a rating and review. And if you haven't done that, go do it. Please five stars. And if you do all of that, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning. Liberty. Theodore, Alex Jones. No, just Alex. Josh forgot Josh about Josh been here in a minute. I haven't seen Josh. Eric, Derek. Derek.